The Supreme Court issued a landmark ruling last week on affirmative action in admissions. How is it going to affect applicants? How should you respond as an applicant? That's exactly what I'm going to discuss today. Welcome to Admission Straight Talk, the podcast dedicated to graduate admissions and helping you approach the application process thoughtfully and successfully. Your host is Accepted's founder and world-renowned admissions guru, Linda Abraham. At Accepted, our mission is to get you to that unforgettable moment when you read your acceptance email and shout, yes, I'm in, confident you'll be attending the perfect program to help you launch the career of your dreams. The Supreme Court on Thursday issued two decisions which basically ended race-conscious admissions decisions. I've decided to provide a brief bonus episode to discuss the implications for graduate school applicants and what applicants should do in response to these decisions. I'm not going to praise or condemn the Supreme Court's decision. I'm just going to give my advice based on 25 years, almost 30 years, as an admissions consultant regarding the decision's implications for applicants and therefore how applicants should respond. Keep in mind that I have interviewed probably hundreds of admissions directors at this point, both through Admissions Straight Talk and even our old, 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 old text-only chats in the 2000s. So I feel qualified to give this advice and share my opinion. I hope I'm not going to shock too many people here, but I realize I'm in the minority. I do not believe that the Supreme Court's recent decision is going to mean massive changes in the graduate admissions landscape. So whether you were applauding the decision and jumping up and down for joy or despondent because you think it's a, a very bad decision, I would suggest that you not be taken in by the hype and the hand-wringing. Here's why I do not believe that the recent decisions are going to devastate diversity or really dramatically change the admissions landscape. Number one, admissions offices for years have said that diversity, that the diversity they seek is about much more than race and ethnicity. It's about different perspectives, varied life experiences, and a diversity of thought and opinion. So if that is really true and has been true, then this decision should not really change all that much. Number two, graduate schools at all levels, and specifically the people evaluating applications, will still value diversity, both ethnic, religious, gender, sexual orientation, and thought, ideas, experiences, etc. They feel it is a high, if not the highest priority in creating their classes and communities. That has not changed. Nothing that happened in the Supreme Court's decision has changed the values, the perspective of the people evaluating your application. Notice they're going to want to stay on the right side of the law and the Supreme Court decision, but they still have their values and perspectives. As I told the MBA admission site, Poets and Quants, and here's a quote, instead of relying on a box ticked with a specific race or ethnicity, ADCOM will seek the qualities and experiences that contribute to diversity and inclusiveness. They will strive to create the rich and diverse learning environment that they value. Close quote. Those values haven't changed. They still want that. And schools have been, and this is number three, schools have been preparing for this anticipated Supreme Court decision for a long time. And this was the anticipated decision. How have they done so? They've added questions that elicit information designed to reflect both ethnic and socioeconomic diversity. For example, MCAS added this year its Other Impactful Experiences essay. Brand new, though there was something similar previously. This is a little bit broader and it is less focused on ethnicity and is designed to elicit the qualities that schools value. And it asks, 
and I'm quoting, have you overcome challenges or obstacles in your life that you would like to describe in more detail? This could include lived experiences related to your family background, financial background, community setting, educational experiences, and or other life circumstances. So that would be a perfect opportunity for somebody to discuss how coming from an underrepresented group, facing certain cultural challenges, being the other for any variety of reasons could make them a better doctor, more empathic, more sympathetic, perhaps a better listener, perhaps more culturally attuned to different cultures because they have been a different culture. Now, many secondary applications to medical school ask about contributions, diversity, equity, and inclusivity, or lived experiences with systemic racism and inequity. Those are your opportunity to address those issues in ways that will show you have the experience to both contribute to diversity, equity, and inclusion, and to add a specific dimension to your class. MBA programs, including Darden, UT McCombs, UC Berkeley, Haas, UCLA Anderson, Chicago Booth, Columbia Business School, Wharton, have questions which encourage applicants to show the strength of character, resilience, persistence, and attributes that come from overcoming hardships and challenges. And that, by the way, is not limited to any specific race or ethnic group. Law schools allow for addenda, and some specifically ask for information about challenges overcome or diversity. For example, Georgetown Law and UC Berkeley Law are among the many law schools that ask for an optional diversity statement. Many other graduate programs ask about contributions to diversity, about inclusiveness, and about other information that you may want to share with the admissions committee. That was number three. There are the four reasons I think that this is not going to change as much as many people think it will. Again, whether you're pro or con, happy or sad, I don't think this is going to change in the way that the applause and hand-wringing would indicate. Fourth, schools are committed to evaluating applications on a holistic basis. Holistic admissions means that there is no formula, no numerical weighting for acceptance. However, there are four key, and I've defined them very broadly, ingredients to a successful graduate school application. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Graduate programs are looking for the following. Number one, the academic abilities to succeed in their program. That is simply foundational. No one wants to admit somebody who's going to flunk out. You might struggle a little bit, but they really want you to succeed once you're in there. Two, goals that their program is well qualified to support, both while in attendance and professionally after completion of whatever degree you're going for. So if you say you want to practice law, law school is the way to go. If you want to be a clinician, a clinical uh, physician, then medical school or osteopathic school is the way to go. If you want to be a leader in business, lead organizations, then the MBA is a great way to go. There are an infinite number of graduate degrees. And if you show that their program is going to help you achieve your goals and they support your goals, then that is something that they are looking for. Fourth, desirable character traits, which almost always include on the graduate level, leadership, teamwork, resilience, and persistence. Number three and number four, actually all four are unchanged by the Supreme Court ruling, but number three and number four are probably more important as a result of it. Again, number three, fit with the program's mission and values. So look that up when you're starting to work on your applications for each school. And number four, desirable character traits, which almost always include leadership, teamwork, resilience, and persistence. Make sure that in different ways, in different places in your application, whether it's application essays, the primary application, secondary application, supplemental essays, whatever it is, make sure that your applications are revealing what the schools are looking for. 
So my advice to any graduate school applicant, but particularly those applying from historically underrepresented groups, is to show the qualities that schools are looking for. Use the essays asking for impactful experiences and those that ask for non-professional, not the non-academic side of you to show that you have overcome obstacles, are a resilient individual and have contributed to creating inclusive communities. Show that you share the values of the people reading your application. And that isn't just my opinion, by the way. In a recent Admission Straight Talk interview provided before the Supreme Court announced its much anticipated decision, Dr. Joel Maurer, Assistant Dean of Admissions at the Medical School at Michigan State University, advised applicants, if on a common application you are allowed to share personal identities as it relates to demographic information, I would still encourage you to fill it out. Again, he was anticipating the decision that came down a few weeks after I spoke with him. Going back to his comments, and if you also identify in a community in which you believe society has discriminated against you historically and ongoingly, figure out a way to share that if the SCOTUS decision allows you to do so. I think if you don't, you are making a big mistake. Furthermore, Harvard's president, Dr. Lawrence Baca, in his letter response to the Supreme Court decision, which was also signed by 13 Harvard deans, pledged, and I'm quoting, the court held that Harvard College's admission system does not comply with the principles of the Equal Protection Clause embodied in Title VI of the Civil Rights Act. The court also ruled that colleges and universities may consider in admissions decisions an applicant's discussion of how race affected his or her life, be it through discrimination, inspiration, or otherwise. We will certainly comply with the court's decision. Some members of historically underrepresented groups may feel as students for fair admissions versus president and fellows of Harvard College, which was the Harvard lawsuit, and the similar UNC decision discourages you from applying. Please, please, please don't feel that way. Don't be discouraged. Prepare, work hard, give it your best shot, and show that you have the academic ability and the lived experiences that will contribute to your target program's class, community, and ultimately its reputation. Now, many critics of last week's Supreme Court decision point to the experience of University of California, UCs, after California passed Proposition 209, also known as the California Civil Rights Initiative, way back in 1996. That initiative prohibited public universities from considering race, sex, or ethnicity in admissions decisions. There was an immediate and sharp drop in the UC's undergraduate enrollment from historically underrepresented groups when the initiative took effect. So that's what, again, critics of the SCOTUS position, and also of my position that this is not going to have an enormous impact, point to immediately. However, I looked at 2022 stats for enrollment of full-time MBA, MD, and JD programs at the University of Southern California, USC, and Stanford, both private and unaffected by Proposition 209 and located in California. And I compared enrollment in those programs at those two universities with enrollment stats for UCLA and UC Berkeley. And for the medical school, I used UCSF. And I was comparing the stats for underrepresented groups. You'll find a summary in the show notes at accepted.com slash SCOTUS bonus, S-C-O-T-U-S-B-O-N-U-S. Again, it's accepted.com slash SCOTUS bonus. But there was no consistent difference between the private institutions, which were practicing affirmative action, and the public ones, which had to rely on holistic admissions to diversify their classes. In fact, UCLA and UCSF medical schools had distinctly higher percentage enrollments of African-Americans, Native Americans, and Hispanic students than did Stanford and USC medical schools, the private medical schools that could have and did have affirmative action. The MBA programs I examined were inconsistent. In other words, there was 
just well, you couldn't draw any conclusion from them, from the four that I looked at. And the public law schools had slightly higher percentage of minority enrollment than did the private ones. So when people talk about the experience of California's UCs in 1996, I would say we need to look at the, especially when you're talking about graduate school, which is what I'm talking about. What about the graduate programs in the states that forbade affirmative action, like California or like Michigan, versus the private institutions in those states? Was there a difference? Again, I took a quick look at those four schools. And what I saw either showed that the public institutions did better in terms of, of uh, racial and ethnic diversity, or there was no difference, no significant difference, nothing that I could draw conclusions on. So again, if you're a member of an underrepresented group, do not be discouraged by the hype about the end of race conscious admissions and the absence of formal affirmative action programs in applying to graduate school. I don't think much is going to change. Choose the programs that support your goals and where you are competitive. Then show that you belong at those programs. You don't need to reject yourself. Let the schools do it. Or better yet, let them admit you because you're a great candidate and you're going to add to their class and community. For those of you in well-represented groups, you also need to show that you share the values and have the experiences schools value. That hasn't changed and it is not going to change the foreseeable future. And whether you belong to an underrepresented group or an overrepresented group in admissions, the consultants at Accepted are here to assist you in putting your best foot forward, including showing that you have the qualifications and the qualities that admissions committees have sought and will continue to seek in the students that they admit to top graduate programs and professional schools. And with that, we're going to go back to regular programming next Tuesday. Thank you for listening. 